People attention span today is 10 seconds. So make sure you deliver the message in 10 seconds. Tell a story behind those numbers. Because eventually people don't care about the numbers. People only care about the story behind it. The secret is being able to read numbers, but at the same time being able to be creative while telling a story. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of the creative effectiveness platform, Automated Creative. And every week I get the absolute privilege of interviewing one of our industry's leaders. And this week is no different. I am on a call with Joe Pubo, who is head of e-commerce media across Europe for Lipton Teas and Infusion. So Joe, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, can you give us a bit of background? Thank you, Tom. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Joe. As you can tell from my British accent, I'm from Italy. But yeah, I actually live and work in London, where I yeah I currently uh, lead Ecom Media uh, for Europe. So if ROAS goes down, it's my fault. Uh, but yeah, I started my career with media agencies, uh, and then I moved client side. So I've seen both sides of it. Uh, at the same time, I work with universities. I love mentoring students about marketing specifically, but like life in general. And yeah, I also started my own uh, website. It's called PPC Marketing IT, and essentially is a digital marketing book that uh, you know is is online, so it never gets old. Differently from me that, yeah, I get old sometimes. And we were introduced by the lovely people at Performance Marketing World. So can you talk about your involvement in their event? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, they, they, they've been very nice. They introduce, uh, yeah, uh, they, they, they introduce us. Um, yeah, we met uh, at the, the previous event, which was in November, end of November last year. And I will be also speaking at the, a new event, uh, Unlocked, which will be the 5th and the 6th of March in London. So I will be part of two panels. And then I will also uh, do a keynote of like 15 minutes about Ecom. So yeah, can't wait. Brilliant. So yeah, that's Performance Marketing World, unlocked.com and brands go free. So there you go. Easy peasy. You have three chances to catch up with Joe. So Joe, thank you for the introduction. So what I'm keen to ask you is, looking back in the last five years or so, which new belief or behavior has improved the quality of your work life? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. I think taking things not too seriously, I think, improved my uh, work-life balance. Because, you know, sometimes we forget that we are not saving lives. I mean, of course, we do sometimes. But, you know, uh, if you're not a doctor, you work in marketing, of course, you know, you're goal is to improve people's life, right? Selling, you know, uh, what they need or sometimes uh, making them think that they need something that they don't really need. Either way, I feel like, yeah, uh, taking things not too seriously, being, you know, uh, having fun while doing it, I think it improves the quality of the outcome, right? So, you know, being a nice person first and then, you know, your work outcome will follow. So two things on that. How did you arrive at that realization to not take it too seriously? Because you said in your intro that if ROAS is going in the wrong direction, then you know, it's your fault. right? And that's going to be stressful at a large business with a large spend. So surely you can't show up to that meeting going, hey, guys, don't take it so seriously. We're not saving lives here. So how, how did you get to that view and how do you balance that in on those days when it does get really stressful? Yeah, uh, I would say short answer, a lot of therapy. So, you know, uh, 
But long answer, um, I think it's just like doing your best, right? So I feel like I study a lot. This is an industry where you need to study a lot. You, it's not like uh, it's it's not like twenty years, thirty years ago where you know you studied the four P's of marketing, you got some experience, and you keep doing the same thing for years, right? You need to keep studying. You need to uh, get a new best practice because I always say uh, in, in the digital marketing world. There is not really right and wrong. Of course, there are really wrong things. Of course, there are right things, but most of it is best practice, right? So, you know, I feel like I study a lot. I keep myself updated. I um, work with very smart people. So I make sure that I listen to the others as well. And yeah, I, you know, I think the good, the good thing about our job is that we have data, right? The main difference between traditional marketing and digital marketing is measurement. Today you can measure. So if you measure the right things, you understand the reason why things are working and the reason why things are not working, right? So uh, of course I don't I don't take it easy. I work hard, but at the same time, uh, if you can understand why ROAS goes down, you can make it go up, right? So you can always find an explanation. So I think, you know, data is giving me the power to, um, yeah, take it easy. And thank you for being so open about therapy. There's not many people on this podcast have said that they've, you know, been on that journey. Was Can you talk any more about that? Were you taking work too seriously? Were you solving a problem with therapy because of work, because it was getting too much? And and through that process, like, what was your breakthrough to come to this mindset of having the fun in it? If, if you feel comfortable answering that, I'm just... Yeah, curious. that's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I feel like therapy is not a solution. Like, Usually people think, okay, I have a problem, I go te therapy, right? Well, I think therapy is a method, right? I think therapy is actually a way to analyzing things, right? And I feel everyone should go to therapy, not to fix their problems, because if, if you go to a proper therapist, it's not fixing your problems. It's giving you a language to understand yourself a little bit better, to read uh, your feelings, to find a way to handle and digest, you know, some emotions. And yeah, so it's it's not just about work; it's about life. I, when I talk about work, I I I I mean life because I think you know companies are made of people, and uh, you know you need to have a relationship with your manager, you need to have a relationship with your peers. It is the same relationship you need to have with your father, with your mother, with your with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, with with, with your friends. So it's not it's not different at all. So I feel like everyone should go to therapy just because I feel like when you are in a toxic environment and corporates can be very toxic, you understand that probably those people are not going therapy, right? So uh, yeah, honestly, it's, it's, it's not that you get promoted if you go to therapy, you don't get promoted if you don't. It's mostly like you live a better life. Uh, and yeah, life, fortunately and unfortunately, is also about working, right? So if you can make it fun, and nice at the same time is is you will have a better journey right yeah and that's you sparked a, a new thought when you were saying that which is i can't quite your words but you know you don't need to have a problem to go to therapy right you know you just the, the the process of having a third party objectively observe what's going on from an emotional and life perspective is not only healing but can be 
proactive. And this made me think, why don't we do that at work? Why don't we have like like almost preventative therapy, right? Because you say we all disagree with each other all the time at work. Like, there is toxicity no matter where you work. And if everyone had this facility to talk about their feelings and the things that were chewing them up, maybe work would be a much better thing. So I, I hadn't considered it in those terms. So I think that's a lovely idea. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like, you know, uh, working for a company that allow you to, you know, they usually say men don't cry, right? <laughs> uh, no, not in the yeah, north of England. That is, short, that is for no, sure. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you know what I mean, right? So I feel like, of course, I, th- I think the challenges in corporates, uh, I mean, companies spend a lot of money and, and time making, you know, uh, people think that they are not working, they are a family. Let's be honest. You are not family. You're, you're working together. You, you're there for, for a reason. So it's good to also make friends in the meantime. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a family. Uh, but I feel like if people work on their self a little bit more, then it's easier to have a, a welcoming em- environment. It's easier to have, you know, uh, a good place to, to, to live and work. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think being professional, in my opinion, is not just about knowing the latest on uh, Google ads or, you know, paid media or digital marketing. It's actually being able to split your, your personal, uh, you know, feelings with your professional, uh, you know, uh, objective. So being able to being a nice person while at the same time achieving your goals, right? So I think it, it's, it's called work life balance, right? But I think, in my opinion, we can sum it up and call it life balance, <laughs> you know, being balanced yeah. during your journey. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'm, um, you know, we've got to get back onto data driven marketing, unfortunately, yeah. but, if, but thanks for exploring. It's not like a philosophy podcast. No, it's <laughs> but maybe it is now. <laughs> Anyway, right. So what is your best advice to become a better data-driven marketer? What is your kind of one thing? If someone does it, they're going to upgrade themselves. Yeah, uh, as, as the word says, being able to read data, uh, I think is key. Because of course, there is. I think there is a little bit of misunderstanding when people talk about marketing. Of course, there is a lot of creativity in place. But also, it, it depends because... Uh, as I, as I mentioned, digital marketing is way different than traditional because you got more data, so you measure. Measuring is power. If you think about it, in the past, the CMO had less power than today, right? Because today you call it performance marketing. Why you call it performance marketing? Because you're actually measuring the performance, right? So if you spend millions uh, to have like a billboard in London, like in Oxford Circus, 20 years ago, you couldn't really measure what was the impact of that, right? So in a crisis, the first thing they're going to cut is that billboard, right? Where today, if you spend 1 million on YouTube or on Google or on TikTok, whatever, you can actually measure not only how many people seen that, that, that video or image or whatever, but you also can measure what was the behavior afterwards, how many people bought your product based on, on that, right? So measuring is power. And I think the key of success there is understanding that, of course, you're still creative because behind the click, there is always a human being, but still you need to be able to read data, right? And uh, of course, you, you don't need to be like a data analyst, right? Uh, but you still need to be able to use Excel 
to go through numbers and understand if there is, you know, uh, a trend, if there is a, a link, if, you know, if there is a correlation between something. And if you're able to do that, and you translate that in creativity, then you find a solution. So I think the uh, secret is being able to read numbers, but at the same time being able to be creative while telling a story. Yeah. So how do you do that? So I guess interpreting data for someone who isn't that great at it, there's a bunch of things that you could do, courses, so on and so forth. It's it's numerical, and yes, there's going to be tangential thinking to a degree, but that is a skill that you could learn. Being creative, that's harder. You know, there's a gazillion different ways of being creative. And they're also two very different parts of the brain, or that's it, that might just be a metaphor, but it can often require a different type of thinking, a different type of person. And certainly my experience of education in the late 80s and 90s was you were either a creative person or you were a, a data person, essentially. Were you good at sciences or were you good at arts? And you were sort of pushed down one path. You know, so you get people who are my age and they go, oh, well, I'm no good at maths. But it's my view is that you just haven't done enough maths, right? Equally, some people go, oh, I'm not creative. Or, well, you just haven't done enough creative stuff. You haven't built that muscle. So Oh, that's a great things, point. Yeah, things things might people might be sort of educated a bit different differently now. I hope. So, what if someone listens to this podcast is like, well, I get the data, I love all that stuff. I'm just not a creative person, or vice versa. How how do you get someone to be a double sided coin? It's a great point, Tom. I believe in talent. I I believe that some people are more creative and some people are more analytical, one hundred percent. Um, but then I also believe that you can train the other part, right? So if you were naturally a creative person, but you also able to train your analytical part, I think you become a better human being, but at the same time, of course, a better, uh, you know, uh, profession now. So I give you an example, right? Uh, I met a lot of artists. I have a few friends, they are musicians, they are painters. They are clearly very creative, right? But you can tell they're missing the analytical part because they need a manager. Like a friend of mine, you know, then you, you don't know how to, you, you can book your shows, you, you can find new venues. So it, it, this is clearly a lack of analytical part, right? Where if you, if you work hard on that, on that part, then you can actually become a better individual, right? So I feel like the secret is uh, understanding your gaps and working hard on those gaps, right? It, this is usually the metaphor between uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, right? They say Messi is naturally more talented than Cristiano Ronaldo, but in the long run, Cristiano Ronaldo wins because he trains harder, right? Um, so yeah, I feel like, uh, I think my secret was, I feel like I'm more creative than analytical, um, and then I started working in marketing because I thought that was like Mad Men, you know, like the TV TV show. Uh, and then I realized that digital marketing is not really, is not really that creative. <laughs> I mean, of course you can, you still creative, but you need to play with a lot of numbers. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the lucky part was that when I went high school, I went to the most analytical high school in Italy. So I, I did a lot of math. I did a, a lot of physics. And uh, I was very analytical, and I, and I wasn't the I wasn't the best, you know. I was actually in the middle, you know. Uh, but then th that gave me the, the the basics to then be analytical in a marketing world, and I think that's the secret. So when I see numbers, I don't get scared. I I like them, right? Uh, because I I got used to it. I got comfortable with that. So yeah, I think the secret is always training the other side, um, and yeah, and being able to tell a story. So. 
I also teach at the university, right? One of my courses is actually uh, media reporting. And most of the time, the students that are coming at the marketing course, those are students that come from philosophy, they are coming from communication, they are coming from political science, and clearly those people are not very analytical, right? Otherwise, they, 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 they will have been in other courses, right? But then what I tell them, I said, look, guys, just learn these three basics formulas on Excel, and being able to tell a story in PowerPoint, it's even better, right? So, you know, people attention span today is 10 seconds. So make sure you deliver the message in 10 seconds. Tell a story behind those numbers. Because eventually people don't care about the numbers. People only care about the story behind it. So be able to tell a story is also being creative, right? Yeah, using story as the bridge between those two things, that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, the data provides the opportunity for the story, but if you haven't got the skills to turn the story into a, a thing that gets the result you want, then then it's redundant. That's beautifully put. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So we're going to move on to your shiny new object, which bit broad, but it's ChatGPT. We've talked about ChatGPT on the show before, but you've chosen it as your shiny new object. So why? And specifically, what about ChatGPT do you want to talk about today? Yeah, I mean, I will define ChatGPT as the a super smart and underpaid assistant that everyone wanted, right? Because it's super smart. If you know how to prompt it, if you know how to ask the right questions, it's super smart. But at the same time, it never asks you for a promotion, right? So, uh, you know, it's only $20 per month. So, uh, and, and, and it's great. I love it. Uh, I use it every day. I use it to improve my writing. Of course, I'm not native speaker. So, you know, my writing uh need improvement to be honest i use it in italian as well so it's not an excuse <laughs> um i use it to brainstorm a lot so if i need to build a strategy i got my strategy i got my experience i got my readings but at the same time i always ask chat to challenge me as well uh use it to improve copywriting I uh, use it for data uh, analysis as well so you know i build a, a table I find a trend, but at the same time, I ask ChatGPT to tell me what is, uh, you know, it, it thoughts are, right? So I make sure to kind of use it as a challenge, to be honest, you know, as a second pair of eyes. Uh, and if you know how to ask the right question, you get the, 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 the best answer. So, yeah, honestly, I've been using it for a year now. It improved my life a lot. But at the same time, I also try to keep control, right? Because I always said... As the calculator made us forget the basic math, right? At the same time that made us go to the moon, right? So I feel like, of course, it will make us kind of forget some basic logic, 
you know, like coming up with like a story or like an email or something like that. Clearly writing an email for me in five years will be much harder than writing it today, right? But at the same time, I will be able to write more emails and being able to get in touch with more people and eventually go to the moon, right? Uh, so yeah, this is my take on, on that. So help me understand the strategy bit, the challenging bit, because that resonates with my experience, right? So the way that automated creative see AI is that everyone is using it to do the same thing that they did anyway, faster and cheaper, right? But we want to use it to make it better. What can you do now that you've got this stuff that you couldn't do before? And I think that people are going, oh, I can write an email quicker, or I can do this thing faster, or I can get that. I don't need to outsource that. I can just do that myself and I can do it cheaper. But in reality, the leaps that I've been able to take with it are when I'm doing the strategic thing or, and the thing you nailed it exactly, you were like, challenge me. Like I come up with an idea or a concept or a thing or a strategy or approach. And I put it in chat to say, what am I missing here? What am I doing wrong? Be aggressive, be weird, be tangential. And it'll come back and it'll suggest 10 things, nine of which are terrible. One is like, I had not thought about that. And what I love it for is its ability to spot things that aren't there. As opposed to like, you know, can you add an extra paragraph to this email to make it sound more professional? So yeah, just how do you use it to challenge yourself and how do you use it to think more strategically? Yeah, no, it's it's a second pair of eyes, right? So I do my work anyway, and then I ask ChatGPT, oh, can you review that and let me know if I'm missing anything? Or like, uh, like I, to give you a practical example, right? I see uh, ROAS on Amazon going down and I'm like, why this is happening, right? And clearly CPC is going up year on year. So it means that the industry got more expensive simply, right? And probably um, ROAS is going down as well because, you know, industry is getting more expensive and the, the average order value of people buying tea online is uh, lower. So people are spending less probably because of the, you know, uh, crisis or, you know, or maybe seasonality as well like for example italy had a warmer winter this year compared to last year so this is one of the reasons why q4 for example sales could have been uh, gone down right but at the same time i can also ask job gpt look i realize i got these three reasons why ROAS went down in italy for example can you find any other reason why and it might give me other five reasons which four of them are you know useless but maybe one of them is true so you know it's just a second pair of eyes so how do you see it playing out moving forward because uh, uh, i my experience is i'm finding myself at least touching chat gpt on most things now not like not like every email or like every meeting my reflex is to go right i'm gonna go and do this thing why don't i just see what comes back because you can't really do that with a search engine right? well you can but it just takes you forever right but what new applications or newer applications of that platform are you using or think there might be some green shoots or some possibility there i mean of, of course it's a very broad topic and i could uh talk for hours 100 percent, as you said it changed the search engine uh world right because like you used to search on google now I feel, you remember when you, you search on Google, you could also put, uh, I feel lucky, and it will go straight to the website instead of, you know, giving you 10 results. I feel like now everyone is feeling lucky, right? <laughs> like, it, it, it will probably change. Like, you need, if you're looking for, um, I don't know, Nike, running shoes, black, you already know the model and everything, then 
you're just looking for the cheapest price in the UK, then of course now you're searching on Google and comparing different prices and websites where you can simply ask ChatGPT, look, find the cheapest website. Uh, you know, so of, of, of course, then the key then is the user has a shorter journey. What about the marketer? How can you affect that, right? So I think the new, the new thing will be, how can we make sure that ChatGPT prefer me than other websites? So this is a challenge. This is an opportunity, but it's a topic, right? So it's definitely changing the way people are retrieving information. Um, so search engine are changing, uh, but at the same time, I feel like it's changing the way of being creative as well, right? Uh, I feel we, we will always need the human touch, in uh, you know in the automation world you always need a human touch because in order to drive the machine you know how to do it first so you know it's like it's like leading a restaurant of 10 people cooking if you know how to cook yourself it's easier to lead that 10 people cooking if you don't it's very hard to understand if they doing a good job or not you know so i think knowledge is key we need to know how to drive the car before letting other people driving it. This is the only way you can judge them, right? Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? I found that when I have deeper knowledge in an area and then I ask ChatGPT to perform a task where my knowledge is deep, it comes back and you're like, this is nonsense. Whereas in an area that I don't know anything about, like wedding planning, for example, I could say, I'll plan my wedding in the north of England on the, the 5th of January and it would crank out a whole wedding plan and I'd be like, oh, brilliant, that, that's that done. But I'm sure a wedding planner would be like, that's a disaster because it's exactly. aggregated, because it's it's an it's an average approach to it. So it's the same thing for trip uh, for trip planning. Sorry to interrupt. Like I, I love uh, traveling uh, and I was planning my, my, my trips. I always plan my trips by, by myself. Then once I asked ChatGPT, I was going to Japan and I asked ChatGPT, can you plan the same trip, you know, with the, the, the with, 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 with this time, with this budget? And it did a disaster. Like immediately it looked, it looked like a, a good uh, piece of work. But then when you deep dive and you have experience, it's a disaster, right? So it feels, I feel like we need to know what we're talking about before giving it to someone else. But it's the key of being a good manager, right? Like proper managers are people that know how to do it first. And then they ask you to do it. Where the worst one are the ones that don't know how to do it. They pretend, you know, the, the famous phrase, fake it until you make it, right? So I feel like in a world where it's easier to fake it, it will be much harder to make it. Go into that a bit more. That's an interesting one. In a world where it's easy to fake it, it will be harder to make it. What do you mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I think I understand. Yeah, that. because... It, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I can, I can elaborate a little bit more. It's, as you said, it's today... Everyone can be a wedding planner, right? Because you ask ChatGPT and it will plan it for you. So everyone can fake it. But then the, the people that can actually make a good plan will be, will be less and will be more important as well, right? So yeah, I feel like you will have more quantity as well, but you need more quality to make the difference. So bringing it all back to data-driven marketing. So you've talked about how you use it as a, an extra pair of eyes. You use it to query data. You use it to look at events that are wider than your data set to help give context to your data set. What are the key things that 
data-driven marketers should be using ChatGPT for outside of those things like that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I think it's mostly like finding reasons behind. So it's actually a, a getting a, the yeah, the extra pair of eyes. Because if then if you look at it, right, ChatGPT is a, is is good in terms of like writing. It's good in terms of like sometimes being creative, but it's a disaster when analyzing data. So if you give a ChatGPT table, eighty uh, percent of the analysis is wrong. So like my students, they doing the media reporting uh, class. I ask them to analyze like a, a meta ads post campaign report, right? And then I ask them to build a PCA, a post campaign analysis on PowerPoint. They did the job. And then I asked them, look, now let's use ChatGPT to analyze uh, this data and tell us a story. Like for example, the best performing audience, the best performing creatives. And 80% of the uh, analysis was wrong. But only after the course and only after taking the class, only after doing it themselves first, they realized that 80% of the information were wrong. Where if they didn't take the class and they were like, look, I don't need to analyze it myself first. I just give it to ChatGPT. They will never notice that, right? They will never notice that I was wrong. So I think the key is um, asking ChatGPT for the extra mile, for the uh, reason that you didn't think about it first, right? So it will be like, hey, I've, I've noticed that this audience is performing better than the other audience because of these five reasons. By the way, is there any other reason you're thinking about that I haven't? And it might give you other reasons that maybe one of these makes sense. And then you can deep dive and start analyzing yourself. So yeah, and, and indeed we're moving from, you know, the industry I think is moving from measuring to predicting, right? Because today measuring is harder, cookie-less, iOS, um, simply people being more aware of sharing their uh, information, right? So of course, first party data is becoming key. It's becoming more reliable also because second party and third party are, you know, probably they always been <laughs> a little bit of a scam, but you know, people always been using it. Uh, and now it's going to prediction instead, right? It's like, okay, if people before buying Lipton tea, they go to Italy and then they take a plane and then they have pizza and then they say hi to their best friend, then the, the fourth thing they're gonna do is buying tea. So why not showing the message when they say hi to their friend? Because I know that the next step will be buying tea, right? So it's actually prediction. And I think this will be the future. And I think this will be the key for, for, for us. Because at the moment we're talking about data driven, but in order to get data, you need to track. Um, and now tracking is getting harder, right? So I feel like getting uh, the right data, it's hard, but then being able to read it, it's harder. But then using data is, is key, right? A lot of people talk about data-driven marketing, but still a lot of people um, struggle to find the right KPI. You, you, will be, you will be impressed to see a lot of people uh, launching an awareness campaign and talking about CPC. Like it doesn't make sense, right? So simply getting back to the basics and understand that you need to find the right API for the right objective. It's it's the most important bit for now, I guess. And I think that is a, a beautiful place to leave it. I thank you so much for sharing your journey and your vision and your very practical advice. I've certainly learned a lot 
and we'll be looking at my own job in a different way. So thank you so much for that, Joe. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, where can they do that? And crucially, if someone is going to write to you, what makes you reply? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm happy to reply uh, to anyone, mostly like people that want to exchange ideas. I'm also launching my YouTube channel uh, next month. It's called A Glass of Marketing with Job. So essentially, I'm going to have a glass of wine while talking about marketing and life in general, I would say. Also because wine makes you talk about life more than marketing anyway. Uh, and yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Giovanni Pupo. Uh, you can find my website, PPC Marketing IT. And yeah, I will see you around. I will be at the uh, Performance Marketing World event in March, 5th and 6th of March. So I will see you guys there. Joe, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dom. Hi. Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.